The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our real estate agent in the state of Florida, Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. He's the run of the play. He is safe. Nice this is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome back in Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. Hope everybody had a fun, eventful, stress-free Labor Day weekend. The college football season kicked off in full force on Labor Day weekend. We got the NFL kicking off here on Thursday and in full force on Sunday with a full slate wrapped up by... A Monday night, uh, a weekend in New York with celebrating, commemorating 9-11. So we're going to have a very uh, kind of exciting yet emotional uh, weekend for those, uh, for everybody around the around the country as far as 9-11 goes. And obviously football being uh, back and in New York City over the weekend, plus the U.S. Open Finals in New York City over the weekend as well. So lots to talk about here on this episode on the Powers on Sports podcast. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the places that you might be listening to our uh, podcast. We appreciate you finding us. Tell a friend about the podcast. You can check out my the video interviews that we're gonna all of our video interviews on my YouTube channel on the Jason Power Sports channel. Uh, with the NFL uh, season kicking off, I did division previews the last month or so on the podcast. So definitely go back and uh, check out the archives of all we did. I did a division preview for all eight NFL divisions. Uh, we had some great guests that were helping helping me break down each division. So, if you're for your favorite team or division, check out the uh, previous episodes. You can find those division previews uh, for all the different episodes. Our guest this week is going to be a this guy's terrific and does great work and is works high profile games every single Saturday and Monday night. David Moulton. David's a uh, radio host, has his own radio show, the Miller and Moulton Syndicated Radio Show. He's a Sirius XM host on a couple of different channels over there. He also works with the CBS crew on Saturdays with Nestler and Danielson on the CBS game. And he also works with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the Monday night broadcast for ESPN. So David is at the biggest games every every week. College in the NFL. We're gonna we, we're gonna we talked to David about a bunch of different topics surrounding college football, the NFL spectrums, uh, di- uh, TV uh, dispute with ESPN. So we had a great conversation. David's also gonna uh, is a New York guy, so we're gonna get his thoughts on 9/11 and being in New York City for the weekend, covering Jets in Buffalo on Monday night. So just a great chat with David. David does great work. 
Uh, and he's been very kind with his time for this podcast and joins us a couple times a year. It's just a great time to get David, and we'll give you some great NFL nuggets and some great college football stuff as well. So uh, check that out here as soon as I wrap up with our little recap of the week's doings in the sports. Well, first off, want to give a uh, want to give a rest in peace. We lost two. If you're a mu- if you're a music fan, we lost two. Uh, very well-known musicians in the last several days. Obviously, Jimmy Buffett passed away in the last few days, uh, 76 years old. Obviously, we know all everybody knows the fame of Jimmy Jimmy Buffett uh, and all that stuff. So he was a huge sports fan as well. Um, so long, long, fruitful life for Jimmy. And we also lost the lead singer of Smash Mouth, Steve Harwell. He was only 56 years old, kind of. We don't know the I don't know the we don't know the cause of death yet, but that was kind of a, a pretty sudden sudden circumstance. So Steve Harwell, lead singer of Smash Mouth, obviously a big huge band in the '90s, early 2000s. Uh, if you remember the song All Star and such, and many many other good songs out of out of uh, Smash Mouth, and Steve Harwell was the lead singer of that group. He passed away at 56. So condolences to uh, their loved ones for their passing. So. Um, but back to the um, again, back to the, the the sports week. We have the U.S. Open Finals wrapping up this weekend. We have some great storylines developing. U.S. Uh, several U.S. players still alive. Coco Golf, Ben Shelton is in the semifinals against Djokovic. Shelton's a twenty-year-old uh, unseated player. It's his second. Uh, he made the quarterfinals. Only his first year on tour, but he made the quarterfinals. Uh, in Australia, now he's in the semifinals of the U.S. Open uh, from the United States. He he, he knocked out uh, a fellow American Tiafo in the quarterfinals on Tuesday night, and then he got Coco Golf, who's now in the semifinals. Uh, she is probably the favorite to win the U.S. Open. Still got a couple more mountains to climb, but she is in a great position to be the first uh, teenager to make the semifinals uh, of any major since Serena Williams back in the early 2000s. And so uh, this could be the uh, the start of a tremendous career for Coco Golf. Uh, she's on on pace to uh, win her first major title, but we'll see if she can wrap it up in New York City. Saturday night will be the women's final. Sunday afternoon will be the men's final. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we get a Djokovic Alcaraz rematch from Wimbledon, and what a classic final that was. Um, if we don't get Djokovic Alcaraz, hopefully we get Shelton. Uh, maybe Shelton can pull an upset and get to the final. So it'll be interesting uh, next several days in Flushing Meadow for the U.S. Open tournament. So uh, ESPN can get some great, uh, great ratings for that. Uh, speaking of ESPN, in the Disney Channel's ABC ESPN, uh, we'll see what happens with the Spectrum ESPN Disney dispute if that can get rectified by the weekend. Because remember, Alabama Texas is on uh, will be on ESPN on, on prime time, and then obviously you have the NFL game Monday night with Buffalo and the Jets. So we'll see if Spectrum gets that dispute solved with uh, Disney uh, here before this weekend. Because if not, there'll be a lot of people around the country that will have to find an alternate way to watch your football. And I, I, you know. Down here, Spectrum is a big cable outlet down here where I'm at in Tampa. Um, I am on uh, YouTube in uh, YouTube cable, so that doesn't really affect me. But uh, you will see a lot of people, if they don't get this figured out, I think you'll see a lot of people migrate away from Spectrum to potentially YouTube cable. Because remember, YouTube, ca- YouTube is now the home of uh, uh, Red Zone. Um, 
So you will see uh, the, the the new move this this Sunday will be the first day that uh, Red Zone has moved to uh, YouTube TV. So um, be very interesting to see how that goes. All right, let's get to the college football world. A wild week one of college football. We had Clemson go down to Duke on Monday night, uh, which was not a humongous shocker, but it was a surprise. You obviously had the, the biggest shocker of the weekend, Deion Sanders and his Colorado team go to TCU and win a wildly entertaining game, 45-42. Just a uh, great job by, by Dion in, in, in that Colorado program, 86 new players. Uh, what I was most impressed with were a couple things. One, uh, Shador Sanders, the quarterback, Deion's son. What a, I mean, he was just spectacular. He was so precise, so accurate. I was very impressed. I had not seen him really play much before. Um, knew he was a good player, but I did not realize the prolific player that he potentially could be. Colorado has a bunch of skill guys at both wide receiver and running back. Um, the other thing I was very impressed with Colorado, how efficient they were operationally. They didn't have a lot of false starts. They didn't have a lot of penalties. They were disciplined. They were structured. They weren't, they weren't burning timeouts. It was usually when you have that many new parts coming together, you have some uh, inefficiencies in those type of departments. But Colorado did an excellent job uh, with, the, with the operation of the coaching staff and, and all those things that go into running the game. So give Dion full credit for that. Would I like Dion not to maybe be talking as much as he's talking? Yeah, I would like that, but you got to give the guy credit. He did a great job. Got a great opportunity to beat Nebraska this week. They got played Nebraska this week, home opener in Boulder. Um, got a great opportunity to be three and zero before they go to Oregon, and then they got USC. So what a what a start for Colorado. We'll see how how it continues. What I want to see is I want to see potentially when Colorado does lose. I do want to see, uh, I'll be very interested to see what the uh, comments out of Deion Sanders are when they lose a game, whatever that is. He was very boisterous, very, very uh, combative with the media con- concerning, you know, everybody doubting him and, and all that stuff. And that and that's understandable to some degree, but um, be a little, just a little more humble, Deion. I know you don't have a whole lot of humble bones in your body. I get it because of your greatness, but be a little bit more humble as the coach. But what a great start for Colorado. Got a great opportunity to be 3-0. and um, And you're going to get a ton of exposure from a recruiting perspective and from a national TV perspective here moving forward if they keep winning. Uh, the other most impressive team of the weekend, Florida State, my team. Um, great win on Sunday night against LSU. Kind of a, 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 a even first half with LSU. They probably should have been down 7-10 to 10 points. Florida State should have been. LSU was moving the ball pretty good in the first half, but the second half, Florida State just destroyed LSU. Um, to me, the couple key points I pull out of that was the depth and the quality of their trenches. Both the offensive and defensive lines for Florida State really showed up in the second half. They ran the ball really well in the second half, and that's due to the offensive line and their consistent pressure on Jaden Daniels. Um, consistently uh, forced him to to be uncomfortable throwing the ball. And, uh, again, Jordan Travis played really well. Keon Coleman, the, the, the Michigan State wide receiver transfer, played tremendous. Three touchdowns. They didn't even get their, their big-time tight end transfer. Jaheim Hines involved much to late. He's going to be a big part of the offense. Johnny Wilson's a good player. They got good running backs. But the offensive and defensive lines – to me, were the difference in the game and what made Florida State and what will make Florida State a very viable 
national championship contender this year uh, if they, if they stay if they stay relatively healthy because they got depth they got quality um, and so great things out of Florida State in week one of Coach Norvell. Uh, again, they go to Clemson in week four uh, n- with what Clemson looked like Monday night. Not a not a, not a a for sure win, but a very winnable game. Even if they were to lose that game potentially, they could still probably maybe lose that game and still be in the mix. But again, if you beat Clemson in week four on the road, the path is wide open for you to get to the uh, college football playoff if you're Florida State. Um, Bama, Texas this week. You got a huge show down there, A&M and Miami. But Bama, Texas is the big the marquee game. Um, this is, again, we've heard for a couple years now, is Texas back, is Texas back, and they've never seemed to have been able to win these kind of games. So we'll see if they can win this game in Tuscaloosa Saturday night. Uh, you got Quinn Ewers and company. You got Jalen Milrow for Alabama. Good Alabama defense. We're not quite sure yet what kind of quarterback Milrow is yet, but we know, we think we know what Ewers can be. So, once again, can Texas get over the hump and win that big game and catapult their season? And then you got A&M in Miami, down in Miami, two teams that are looking for confidence. Both these teams are have been trying to make the move back the last several years, and this will be a the, very much a uh, litmus test for both teams to see which team – Kind of his back. You got Petrino and Jimbo at Texas A&M. You got year two of Mario Cristobal. So it'll be a very interesting matchup in Miami. Remember, they played last year in, in uh, College Station. It's kind of a defensive game last year. Uh, we'll see what this game kind of unfolds in uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Miami this weekend. So those are your big, big kind of college matchups. You got a couple other intriguing matchups. You got Colorado, Nebraska. You got Boise State. And UCF, kind of an interesting uh, non-conference game there. So it's got, you got a couple. D, it's not as you're gonna have. You got Tulane and Ole Miss, a sneaky good game. Uh, especially if you're Tulane, you can win the game. You got a chance to have a great year if you're Tulane and you can beat Ole Miss. So those are your college football matchups. Before we get to David Molt, I want to give you my three picks for the week. Uh, against the number. Obviously, we've got NFL games to choose from this week as well as college. I'm going to give you three picks this week. Um, I believe I went one and two last week, but I'll have to double-check that. I think I had LSU. Um, So I think I went one and two, but I'll double-check that. But here are the three picks for this week. We're going to start in the NFL. We'll start in college first. Uh, Get it now before the number keeps going up, but I like Colorado minus the three at home. Not because they won, but because I just don't know if Nebraska can score enough points. And I'm convinced that Colorado is going to score a bunch of points. Will they score 45? I doubt it. But, I mean, if they can score 27, I think that might be enough to beat Nebraska. Nebraska, Matt Rule taking over that program. They lose last week close at Minnesota 13-10. Two road games in a row for Nebraska. Uh, again, that, that makes me nervous. And, again, I didn't see a lot on offense out of Nebraska. I thought they would be able to score a little bit more. Um, they're going to try to slow this game down, I think, but I think Shador Sanders and those wide receivers and that running back are going to be able to do enough to score. So I like Colorado at home minus the three. Um, another sneaky game. Again, a lean would be you could also – I'd also lean to Boise State plus three and a half at home against UCF. But that's not an official pick. Just a lean Boise State plus three and a half at home against UCF. On the In the NFL, two games that I really like. One, the – 
game of the week that I like from a betting perspective. Seattle minus five against the Rams at home. Don't wait till Sunday to make that one because that number is going to keep going up. No Cooper Cup most likely. No Jalen Ramsey. The Rams are going to be super young on defense, playing a lot of rookies, undersized on defense. Matt Stafford hasn't played the entire preseason, so we don't know what that's going to look like. No Cooper Cup. I don't know what kind of weapons they're going to have, um, but I do like Seattle. Geno Smith, Lockett, DK Metcalf, the running backs there. The defense is better. The offensive line is better. I think Seattle, even though it's a division game, I get it. Week one, I really like Seattle minus the five at home against the Los Angeles Rams. And the last game I'm going to take is not a homer pick, but I do like Tampa Bay plus six on the road at Minnesota. The reasons why. One, Tampa Bay has a veteran defense. All their experience is on defense. The younger guys they're going to play are going to be on offense. You got a new quarterback, Baker Mayfield, but more importantly, you have a new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. Came from Seattle. He's never called plays before, so the off you know teams don't know tendencies, patterns, things like that when it comes to Canales calling plays. Uh, they do still have Godwin and Evans. They've got some youth on at wide receiver that are really that are really promising. They are going to commit more to the running game. Rashad White at running back. If you're a fantasy having fantasy drafts, if you aren't at a, Rashad White's going to get a lot of touches in Tampa. A lot of touches, running, receiving. He's a good blocker. He's going to be a fantasy guy this year on a lot of. Uh, he's going to be a fantasy producer this year. So Rashad White, Tampa. I just think that uh, in Minnesota, if you look at Minnesota's team, no Dalvin Cook. They lose a like. I think I think I heard, saw they've had. They're going to have eight new starters out of the twenty-two. The defense is not very good. Uh, you got Brian Flores taking over the defense, but I think they're susceptible on defense. Uh, I think, remember, Minnesota won all the close games last year. Um, yeah, I think they won like 11 one-score games out of their victory. So that's that's likely to change. And I just think this is going to be, even if Tampa doesn't win the game outright, I think it's going to be a very close game down to the wire. Uh, so give me Tampa plus the six. If you get it to six and a half, buy it to seven. But I think Tampa could potentially win the game outright. And I really like the plus six. I'll take a touchdown with the Buccaneers. So Seattle. Tampa, and then Colorado on the college circuit are your three picks. David Moulton coming up right now. Enjoy the conversation. We're talking about all things sports media, NFL, college, the broadcast booth, Spectrum, Roger Goodell, and so much more. So enjoy my chat with David Moulton, Powers on Sports Podcast. Have a great week. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate, to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending 
anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase, 205-790-1404. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs. Corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Two eight eight seven. Well, the fall football season and fall sports calendar is finally here, and there's no better place to buy your tickets, for whether it's for the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, or any sporting event in between in the, in the fall months of August through December, then TicketSmarter.com. TicketSmarter is your secondary market place to go for all of your sports ticket needs, whether it's... The, NHL coming up, Major League Baseball, college football, your favorite NFL team, whatever it is, TicketSmarter.com is the place to go. And for your first time purchase, you will get $10 off your first $100 order. All you have to do is use the code POWERS10. Again, go to TicketSmarter.com and use the code POWERS10 to enjoy $10 off your first order of $100 or more. That's TicketSmarter.com for all of your Ticket needs this fall. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. Always great to have this next guest with us. We try to get him a couple of times a year, and this is a perfect time to get him as he is enthralled in the uh, beginning of college football season as well as the NFL. The one and only multi-talented Mr. David Moulton. David is the host of the syndicated radio show Miller and the Miller and Moulton radio show. He's a Sirius XM host. He's a part of the uh, CBS Saturday 330 crew with Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson. He also is a part of the ESPN Monday Night crew with uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. So welcome in, Mr. Moulton. I don't know about multi-talented, but I got a lot of W-2 forms, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and you got a new location. I just found out that you moved from southwest Florida. You're now up in uh, north Florida, up in Jacksonville. Uh, yep. Uh, family reasons. We had to relocate after nearly a quarter of a century in uh, the 239. So, uh, you know, it's it's a uh, bigger city is my wife. My wife calls it the big city. I grew up within a half an hour of New York City. I go, honey, Jacksonville is a city but it's not the big city now take it easy and you got a new addition to the family the, your daughter just got married over the weekend yep. you got a new uh son-in-law so congratulations on that yep and uh so the family's growing which is awesome very cool very cool well, we're gonna talk we're gonna make this a football centric podcast uh All right. interview chat with you we're gonna talk some college and nfl First of all, I know you're going to be in New York this weekend with covering mm-hmm. the uh, the Jets Bills. 
What a fun weekend it could potentially be as a sports fan with the U.S. Open Finals. You got Jets Giants. I mean, Jets and Giants both hosting this weekend, and you're going to be there at some point in the weekend. What a great weekend for New York sports fans. Well, it's probably asking a lot for 20-year-old American lefty Ben Shelton to make it to the final since he has to go through arguably the greatest player of all time to get there. But either way, think about this little, oh, I don't know, 30-hour window. Late Sunday afternoon, you could have number one Alcarez against number two Djokovic. And obviously, they had that classic Wimbledon final and all that, which will lead right into Cowboys-Giants Sunday night and then Monday night Jets-Bills on September 11th across the harbor from lower Manhattan. So, yes, it could be magical. And, of course, for millions of people in the New York metropolitan area who have Spectrum Cable, they won't be able to see it unless something dramatic happens in the next few days. So that that in and of itself is remarkable. I have a feeling if I were living in that area, no matter whose side of this dispute I was on, all right, I would have YouTube TV by Saturday. Is And also you could have Coco Golf on Saturday night in that the women's true. final. Right. Trying to become, uh, you know, the first teenager right. to win it since Serena back in 01. And yeah. Just the changing of the guard there with with Coco Golf. Speaking of the Spectrum deal, obviously, we, if you don't know, fans, Spectrum's having a major issue with uh, with uh, with Disney. So no ESPN issue. They're having ESPN, no ESPN games, no ABC games are being shown on Spectrum. Is this a situation where Roger Goodell would make a phone call to somebody this week to, to say, "Hey guys, figure it out," or is he no. thinking? We've he got can't. YouTube. God bless you. I hope they all come to YouTube. No, he can't because it's really, you know, if you're Goodell, you figure, well, you know, people go to the sports bars. People will find our product. Okay. This is let this be a Disney spectrum uh, dispute. What's interesting is there are other places you could go. I mean, who's the bigger loser here? Is it the four letter network or is it spectrum? Uh, spectrum has all but said out loud. Well, we don't make our money off of cable. Right. We make our money doing other things. And besides those guys have announced in the next two to three years, they're going to circumvent us and go direct to consumer anyway. So why should we continue to pay for that? So this to me is interesting in this sense. Yeah. People will probably work around this dispute in the areas where they're affected, but will spectrum be the first major cable carrier to cut the cord from espn right never mind the customer cutting the cord from them yeah that's a great point it's a great point because where i'm at spectrum is the number one cable provider right. here in tampa i mean spectrum right. and frontier but Spectrum's clearly number one and i don't look fortunately after me i don't have spectrum anymore i i'm a youtube guy now so it doesn't affect me but there's lots of people around me that are affected by this yes continue to be and think about it also this weekend. It means you won't see Alabama, Texas yeah. in college football. You won't see the U.S. Open. As you talked about, it could be the biggest weekend of American tennis in 20 years. Yeah. And then obviously Sunday night football, um, although uh, you should be able to get that with Spectrum since it's on NBC. Right. And then, but Monday night football, Jets, Bills, which just a few people are interested in. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you're aware, but the Jets are getting a lot of hype. <laughs> Th- <laughs> Whew, 
lot of f bombs coming out of Robert Sala's mouth and a lot of attention. Well, and honestly, I mean, especially with ESPN having them for Monday Night Football, but with all the hype they're getting on the four letter network, I mean, they're rivaling LeBron, Lakers, and Cowboys talk. Yes, they're getting so much right. hype. That's right. All right, let's talk about let's let's jump to the college side first. Okay. Obviously, where you you lived in Southwest Florida for many many years. Talk about the what do you think the deep the phenomenon of Dion taking over at Colorado with him with those roots in South Florida and all that stuff. Just give me a thought on Dion and what's what happened in uh, Dallas or Fort Worth last Saturday. Well, two things that I need to admit right out in the open. I am a huge Dion guy. So you could take this with a grain of salt if you're not a huge Dion fan. I am. Love them as a player. All right. And I am into Coach Prime. I am. I also like people who are willing to be original and do things their way and say, yeah, I know what conventional wisdom is or the conventional way of doing things. And I really don't care. This is what works for me. And I'm telling you, it's going to work. And so he's doing it. And for one week anyway, it worked with 86 new players i mean this is stunning 86 new players and they were the team that didn't have procedure penalties they were the poised team came from behind on the road and won against obviously a pretty darn good program they were nationally ranked they played for the national title last year i mean it's, it's remarkable his kid can obviously play quarterback and hunter the wide receiver db as Dion said he's a first round pick he should be one of the top five picks in the draft in a couple years for sure. i mean he's elite but that's only two of the 86 new players and so i hope Dion works uh, i didn't think it would this year right. they had a difficult schedule and the Pac-12 is actually very deep, very deep. It's clearly one of the three best conferences of the country this year, ironically, the last year of the conference. And I thought that they, they're over under three and a half, Jason, and I took the under. Yeah. And obviously right. it looks like I'm going to be wrong because they could start out three and oh, because they got Nebraska at home, which are now a five point favorite, I guess, right. against. And then they got Colorado State. So they could be three and oh, for goodness sake. Can you imagine if it's Colorado, USC, and Week 4 both undefeated in Boulder? The hype behind that game? Well, and game day would normally be there, except that Saturday night, there's Ohio State visiting Notre Notre Dame. Dame. Right. Okay, but yes, and Iowa's at Penn State. I mean, that'll be our first really big Saturday of the college season on the 23rd, but we got to get there first. Yeah, that's crazy to think that that could – I mean, obviously they play Oregon and then USC, but, man, if they were to get to USC undefeated, whoo, there would be some TV eyes watching that game. Talk about we, – we mentioned the Pac-12 resurgence, obviously, in the last year. How good is it How good is it for the sport of college football that the Florida State, oh. Texas, Penn State are all back in the national title chatter and you got some West Coast teams in the mix as well? Well, first off, the fact that Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all seem to be at the top of their game at the same time, that has never happened. Right. Okay. You could argue it did for a moment in the mid-90s when Jopa and the Nittany Lions just joined the conference. Okay. Maybe they were both at the top of their games at the that exact moment, but it really has not happened in the 25 years since. You know, one of them was always lacking, whether it was Michigan, whether it was Penn State, because Ohio State's been at a pretty high level here for over 20 years. But now, I mean, come on, 
three of them in the top six, seven, eight, depending on which poll that yep. you and they all have two of the three have terrific quarterbacks. Yep. They're all experienced. I mean, this could be Franklin's best team, yep. and yet they're picked to finish third in their division. That's how loaded that is. And it'll be great if Texas can truly be Texas again because of where they're going. I mean, to add another heavyweight to the SEC. But, Jason, outside of Coach Prime, my favorite story of week one was Florida State looked like Florida, Florida State. State. I mean, yeah. you know, last year they beat LSU, but they didn't Blue look like they Blue did. Yep. They didn't look like they did this first weekend. I mean, as I like to say, they've got dudes. They got in the dudes. trenches in the trenches. Yes. And they got dudes on the defensive line making plays in which you and I are old enough to remember. That's how Florida State looked. Yep. That was the 80s. That was the 90s. Mickey Andrews watched that game Sunday night and went, I've seen us play like that. Yeah, that's right. All right. And it's been a while. Even the 2013 team that won the national title. Yep was driven by offense and this team has a prolific offense but i saw some things defensively in yep. which i go oh it's been a generation since i saw florida state have some dudes on that side of the ball and this is a very dangerous team very dangerous okay and they've got depth norville's hit it out of the park in the transfer portal. Yes, sir. And I think you're seeing it. Dabo Swinney at Clemson has yet to take, he took one transfer GA kid to help him really further his career into coaching, but right. Dabo's avoided the transfer portal entirely. And Norvell took a down and out program and rebuilt it to a top five program largely through the portal, and you're seeing the difference. And two years ago, what was everybody at Florida State saying? Should we hire Deion Sanders? Jason, two years ago this week, they were coming off a three and six pandemic season. They lost their opener, and they were about to host Jacksonville State yes. and lose. Yes. On the last play of the game, and so Norville was three and eight, 11 games into his coaching career. That was two years ago this week. Look yeah. at where they are now. No, you make That's a great point. That's a great point. Talk about um, your, your ventures with CBS. Obviously this is the last year of exclusively SEC, but you're going to be mixing in some big 10. And obviously uh -huh. next year you guys will be going in big 10. How is that just the philosophy of that? How is that taking hold with, I guess you, Brad and Gary and just your production crew? Well, Listen, we take a lot of pride. We think that we've done a good job televising the games. Uh, Steve Milton, who directs college football on CBS, he directs the Masters. I mean, Craig Silver is an award-winning producer, uh, March Madness, uh, uh, college football for 30 years. We think the product is a good product, so it doesn't change to us whether we're doing the Sun Bowl or whether we're doing Alabama LSU. It, it really doesn't. Uh, but there's no doubt. I mean, you know, the SEC is unique. I mean, the whole, it just means more. It does. Throughout the conference, it does. Even in the Big Ten, it means an awful lot at a lot of places, but it means an awful lot at more places in the SEC when it comes to football. It just does. And so that will always be a unique arrangement. Um, I think both sides have been good for each other. You know, Jason, when you say that what I'm about to say out loud, if you're not old enough 
you think I'm a, a moron for what I'm about to say, but when CBS in the mid-90s made the decision to give the SEC its own window and broadcast it coast to coast, the reaction nationally was, this is a joke. First off, the SEC, who the hell cares about SEC football? Rake outside of pilot. Yeah, outside of Alabama and Tennessee, who the hell cares about what are you what are you guys doing? Okay, and CBS said, no, actually it's it's good football. It's got a lot of tradition and uh no, we think it's worthy of its own time slot. And it took a while. I'll give you an example. 2003, LSU wins the national title with Nick Saban. There was a game in mid-November that year, LSU at Eli and Ole Miss his senior year, and it was for the SEC West regular season championship. And it was clearly the biggest game in the country. ESPN and game day wouldn't go to it. You know why? Because it was LSU and Ole Miss, and they're like, nah, nobody really cares. <laughs> then the next year, uh, LSU goes on to win the national title. The next year, Auburn goes undefeated and can't get in the playoff. Why? Because USC and Oklahoma were ranked one and two at the beginning of the year. They both were undefeated, and Auburn was never given serious consideration. Uh-huh. I mean, it was not that long. It was a generation ago where the SEC was considered, you know, yeah, you're a power five conference in name, but eh, I mean, you know, come on, you're the SEC, it's football, <laughs> you're a basketball conference. And so now, obviously, you know, it's. And Huge. and CBS was the first they gave. Didn't they give the SEC a twenty-year contract, like a twenty-year TV deal, or and then and then negotiated it when uh, yeah, A and M and Missouri came in yeah, and I mean, extended it some more. You're, you're right. Now it turned out to be an amazing deal for CBS. CBS out. has been yeah. CB, CBS has been broadcasting the last ten years of SEC football and only paying about fifty-five million a year to do it. I mean, <laughs> it turned into one of the great. I mean, Mike Oresco, by the way, negotiated that deal, yep. and he's running the American. Mike Oresco and Tony Petiti. Okay, help negotiate that deal. Who's now the commissioner of the Big Ten? Ironically, how that worked out. That's yeah. Talk to the audience about the rhythm of a broadcast of of a college game versus an NFL game. I'm always curious to know from a production side of things, just the rhythm of the game. Whether it's you working with Gary and and Brad versus working with Troy and 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 Joe, just the rhythm of of a college game versus an NFL game. An NFL game has more of a rhythm, Jason, in which, you know, there's very little no huddle in the middle of the game. There's no huddle late in the first half when obviously a team is pressed for time and they need to move quickly. And there might be some no huddle mid fourth quarter teams trailing by two or more scores. They need to pick up the pace. But for the most part, the NFL has a rhythm. It's like a golfing foursome in which they all play at relatively the same pace. You know, the play happens. You show people getting up, walking back to the huddle, and then you queue up two or three replays from different angles. And then what do you do? You see them break the huddle and go to the line of scrimmage. College football is much more frenetic. A lot of coaches doing things very differently. Also, you have twice as many players on the sidelines. Right. It is a lot tougher. Now, the NFL made it tougher more recently when they allowed guys to wear different numbers. But, I mean, an NFL game is really easy from a broadcasting standpoint to do in this sense. There's only 46, 47 guys active. You know who they are okay. right off the bat. And you know just about every 
everybody if you're paying attention to the league. Yep. You got 100 guys on a college sideline. You've got not only duplicate numbers, as we saw in the Florida Utah game, <laughs> wow. Jason, we've had triplicate numbers yeah. with some teams. Jeez. Okay, and they're all listed as a 6295 pound corner. <laughs> so how could you tell which one's which? Because they don't have names on the back of their jerseys. I mean, so college is, I believe, harder to do than the NFL. Also, the NFL is actually much more giving of information. It's mandated. You know, 90 minutes before the game, you are told who's active, who's not. Right. They give you much more information colleges think it's the cold war and and it's actually a little beef of mine because yeah it hurts the network broadcasting the games but it also hurts you the fan i mean i have gotten into it with some college people going you do know the dallas cowboys tell me what's what 90 minutes before kickoff <laughs> i mean do you think you're bigger than them Okay, right. I, you really can tell us whether or not so and so is going to play. Right. You do know we don't go on the air to kickoff, right? Okay. I mean, who are we going to tell? Right. Right. So, uh, but so that's the difference. As for a booth, Jason, like for example, I, I write stuff down on Saturdays for Gary Danielson on a card, and I hand it to him. I started doing that with Troy Aikman on what was then Thursdays and Sundays and now is Mondays. And after about a year and a half of that, Troy said, I want you to talk to me instead. And so I put on a, you know, one of hit these that, and yeah. hit the button. And so now you have to wait because Troy's got people in his ear and he has to be able to hear Joe. And then if the producer's talking to him, what have you, but I wait because I hear in my ear what he hears in his ear. And when no one's talking to him, okay. Or Joe's talking about something that Troy doesn't necessarily have to hear because Joe's, you know, just giving a few facts. I can then jump in for three seconds and say, you know, hey, be aware of this or, you know. And the one thing that there's a lot of things, actually, Jason, that you guys see at home that we can miss in the booth because the camera takes you intimately to everything that's happening. Well, when you're up in a booth, you're watching the whole field. Right. Okay. And so that's why I know you're sitting on your couch and you go, how the heck can those morons miss that? Okay. Well, believe it or not, you know, our view is actually not as good as your view sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. So there's a lot that goes into a game. Um, you know, it's, I had done live local television for 20 years. The first time I ever was a part of a network football broadcast. And I figured, well, I understand television. Jason, I stood for a half an hour at the first game I ever worked at next to Gary with my mouth agape, <laughs> unable to speak at, it was like, I guess, landing planes. Speed, it was moving so quickly. I was traffic. like, you know how when players go from college to pro and they talk about the difference in speed here, I was 20 years, a quote, veteran of television and had been a part of live broadcast had done the games and I was like, uh, I've never seen, experienced anything like this before. So it's, I do wish every fan could get that experience once to right. A, understand and have more of appreciation of just what goes into the, but also I think they would understand, oh, okay, that's how this mistake could happen. That's how I could see something on the couch that they can't see in the booth. Got it. They're not as big a morons as I thought.
And the other part of this too, is I've had the fortune to be a part do a couple times being in the truck on the production side with the graphics and all the producer and the director barking out orders and camera angles and some salty language gets said when stuff gets done wrong and (laughs) all that kind of stuff too. Well, and let's face it as a fan, we view the broadcast kind of like the way baseball players view umpiring. Okay. Hey, we appreciate you. You need to be perfect. Okay. And as a fan, you you know, if, if the broadcast makes a mistake or the broadcaster makes a mistake, you are like, ah, come on, what the heck? Okay. Right. Well, there's only about a thousand opportunities to make a mistake. I mean, that's all. <laughs> that's and right. if you go 998 and two, you Pretty know, good. then there's this thing called X and people harp on the two. So, all right, we listen to David Moulton, uh, Sirius XM host, works with CBS on Saturday afternoons, Monday Night Football on ESPN with the fellas. Uh, Going to be in New York City this weekend for Jets Buffalo on Monday Night Football. Talk about the uh, talk about just being in New York on 9-11 weekend, kind of the emotional. I know you're a New York Ooh. guy. Talk about that emotion of you can have Jets, you can have the Giants Sunday night, and then the Jets on Monday night. Yeah, uh, I lost a college friend uh, on September 11th. Uh, and obviously, you know, I grew up, I could darn near see the towers from where I lived. And um, I know it's been 22 years, but it at some point, flying in Sunday morning on the 10th, usually yeah. when you fly in, they used to be on your left. And um, I will cry at some point during my 48 hours back yeah. uh, home if you will, it, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, I don't know if people though watching will want the broadcast besides mentioning the obvious that it's September 11th. I, you know, I don't really think they want us going there. We, we all of a certain age know where we were and have our thoughts and, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, it there will be, it will be a remarkable 36-hour, potentially 48-hour window in that part of our country where it could be the absolute height of sports. And then, obviously, also, it's the, the remembrance. Yeah, right. 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 Um, I'm also curious. I mean, Jason, I don't know what you think, but to me, you know, like Gannett, who owns USA Today and about 400 other papers, they did their NFL predictions a couple of weeks ago. They predicted 10, 10 AFC teams to win 10 or more games. I was getting, we're getting to that in a second, but yeah. And that means that three teams in the AFC would win 10 or more games and miss the playoffs. They actually had an 11 win team miss the playoffs in the AFC, which hasn't happened since the Patriots in 08. I mean, but if you think about it, there are a lot of teams in the AFC that we either think are good or are this close to being good. I mean, we think there's three teams in the East. We think there's definitely three, maybe four in the North. Yeah. We think there's one in the South. And we think there's at least two with Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, and Denver looming in the West. Well, do the math. That gets you to 10-11 pretty quickly. I had I had eleven or twelve that you could legitimately make an argument that could that could if things go right could make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, there's only four teams that I think we look at right now in the entire conference. Probably the Patriots, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Texans. And we go now if they made the playoffs, that would shock me. But any of the other twelve? Yeah. Hell yeah. no. 
Have you ever seen a year where the power of one conference is so much more distinct than the other conference? I think so. I think, you know, but then again, I'm 57. So I'm old enough to remember, you know, the NFC kind of had it on the AFC in the 80s. You know, in the 70s, the AFC was a little stronger. They always had like one more team than the NFC. You basically had Dallas yeah. and Minnesota in the NFC. And the Rams and the then Redskins were kind of on the periphery. Meanwhile, the 70s in the AFC, you had the Steelers, Dolphins, and Raiders. I right. mean, yeah, they were seemingly great every year. Right. So the AFC kind of had the edge in the 70s. But, man, in the 80s, I mean, the NFC just kicked the tar out of the AFC in the Super Bowl. And they didn't beat them. They beat them <laughs> like a drum right. in the Super Bowl outside of the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders won two Super Bowls, and otherwise the NFC owned the decade into the mid nineties even. So I think Jason, we're at a point right now. Remember how we've gone through this in the NBA where one side's so much stronger than the other, you know, when the Lakers in the, the West magic, dominant. Yeah. Right. Well, lately, but you go back 40 years ago, it seemed like the East was a bloodbath. Yeah. Okay. And the Lakers with magic and company cruise. just cruise through the West. Yeah. You know, so I, right now the AFC like you said, we think there are double-digit number of good teams in the AFC, and I think we struggle to come up with more than five in the NFC. Right. And as you and I both know, invariably there'll be a team that comes out of nowhere totally. that makes the playoff that we're like, where did they – I mean, we, we thought they were two years away, and they're ready to win today. Well, look at Seattle last year. Yep. I mean, come on. Who had Seattle yep. finishing where they did – uh, also really a year ago at this time, you know, the Eagles were coming off a nine and eight season oh, yeah. and they snuck in as the seventh seed and got destroyed by Brady and the bucks in the, yeah. the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Now they made a nice trade with AJ Brown, had a good draft, but all of a sudden Jalen hurts goes from a developing Ooh. quarterback to a standout quarterback. Yep. And I think by the way, that could happen with a team in the AFC this year where he goes from developing to stand out and if it happens in jacksonville look out right where you're at that's it man you look out right. so give me, give me a team or two that you think's under the radar i know you said it sounds like jacksonville we all think they're going to win that division but can they elevate to be a one or two seed in the afc right. well people forget you know in 2021 you know who the one seed was in the afc playoffs it was not Tennessee. kc was the Tennessee Titans, correct. And yeah. Jacksonville has a similar setup this year. A, they play in a very winnable division. Yeah. They should go, what, no worse than five and one in those division games? Four and they two play, is the absolute worst. Well, if they go four and two, they've really screwed right. it up. Right. Okay. They play four first-place teams. Everybody does. Listen to it. They get the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Bengals all at home. Yep. The Buffalo games in London which is Jacksonville's home away from home. So think about it. You get arguably the easiest schedule from a division standpoint, and you play four first-place teams, none of them on the road. So and you get the rest of the NFC South. Correct. Which of all the divisions that you could pick as your crossover, which one would you pick in the NFC? Right. And so I'm picking the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the one seed. In nice. the AFC. I think they're going 12 and five. They will have beaten, say, Kansas City week two. Will Kelsey right. be playing? You know, they get Cincinnati at home in December, you know, where all of a sudden, like Tennessee, Tennessee won the tiebreaker two years ago. Why they'd beaten Kansas City and Buffalo at home in the regular season. 
Now they screwed it up in the playoffs, but hey. And to me, I think Jacksonville's going to host the AFC Championship game. I really do. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC. They may be the third or fourth best team in the AFC, but I just think it's going to line up where they host the AFC Championship game. My other team that I don't think anybody's as fond of them as I am this year, I'm really high on the Steelers. Okay. Two wide receivers, two tight ends, two running backs, their offensive line deep enough. They could trade two linemen to get down to the 53-man cut line, and I think Kenny Pickett can play. He does, And he doesn't have to be a star, plus the Steelers' defense, top five in the league. No one outside of the Eagles last year could get pressure on a passer the way the Eagles, uh, Steelers can. And if Watt's healthy, they'll have at least 50 sacks this year. I, I'm high on the Steelers. And that's a and that's another division. That's a bloodbath division. You can make an argument for. I mean, probably not Pittsburgh to maybe win the division, but everybody else, everybody's a playoff contender in that division, and it's just going to be a bloodbath in that AFC North. And I do think the Saints win the Woe Begone South. I do. I think it comes down to final game of the year, Atlanta at New Orleans. I think the Saints win it. They'll go ten and seven. They'll win the division. What? Give me a team that everybody thinks is going to be really good. That you say, man, I just, I just don't see it, and I think they're gonna, they're gonna take a big step back. I have to admit, I'm, I'm struggling with this one because, I mean, can the big three in the AFC remain the big three? Doesn't with all these good teams challenging them, doesn't one of Buffalo, Cincy, or Kansas City have to come back to the pack this year? So if so, I'll turn it around on you. If I'm were to tell you one of those three is going to be dragged back down to earth this year which one of the three do you think is most vulnerable i'm going to see you know it's going to sound crazy that i'm going to say this i'm going to say kansas city because they've not had a year where they've been beset by injury we got the kelsey situation mahomes has really never missed significant time i think kansas city's the team that if injuries are due to happen at some point kansas city's the team that's going to take the slide back Sorry about that. I lost. As no, you you're said okay. It, um, I'm going to say Kansas City injuries. Kelsey, they've never really had been beset by it. You got the Chris Jones holdout situation. I think KC and God, we, nobody wants anybody to get hurt, but Mahomes has really never been hurt where he's ever you know been out five or six, seven weeks. I think that's a team, and their defense ain't great without Chris Jones. No, it is not, and they got all the little breaks last year. I'm with you, actually. I think the Chiefs come very – Patrick Mahomes will make the playoffs, but he will have to go on the road for the first time in his career. Think about it. Five years. They've hosted the AFC Championship game five years in a row. He's yet to have to play a road playoff game. And I think Kellen Moore in Los Angeles with Herbert's going to help Herbert. It's funny. I like the Dolphins week one. In L.A. I think it's yeah, a tiebreaker. Long term, maybe not well, week one, long term. I think it's going to help him. Well, OK, uh, but, you know, Jason, that week one game could be a tiebreaker game. You're right. For no, the you're playoff right. spot. I mean, that's how close point. that's how close the AFC is. I'll tell you what, Jason, the team that I'm worried about, even if he stays healthy, like the Ravens have fallen off the last two years because Lamar has gotten hurt. Right. I think there are more weaknesses with this Ravens team than there has been in past years. They don't have a pass rush. I don't like their corners. And I'll be curious about Lamar in this offense. I'm a big Lamar guy, but this is a radical change, I believe, offensively. And will it 
take hold right away. Right. And that's a great point. A guy you've covered a lot, Munkin at Georgia, the last Who couple I of years. Yeah. I think he's a tremendous play caller, but will it take hold right away? I mean, Jason, this to me is a year in which if you're an AFC team, you can't blow games. The margin is going to be so small between like a three seed and a nine seed that, you know, your kicker has to make those last second kicks. You've got to stay healthy. You just, you, when the schedule maker gives you a win, you have to get it. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. All right, Dave, tell, David, tell, tell about where you're going to be the next couple of weeks, college wise in the NFL and uh, where they can find all your great work with Miller and Moulton. Uh, Miller and Moulton, by the way, uh, four markets, hopefully growing, uh, waiting on some news here soon, Good. all along the west coast of Florida, Lake City, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte and Venice and Fort Myers, Naples. Uh, go to floridasportsnetwork.com uh, to catch us. But SEC travels in two weekends. We'll be in Georgia for South Carolina, yep. Georgia, but uh, we'll do a couple of Big Ten games in around it. We're in the big house this Saturday, and we'll be in Happy Valley on a Saturday night, Iowa and Penn State, and uh, Monday night football. We're in the Eastern time zone for the first four weeks. We go uh, Jersey. We're here in week three in Tampa. There Jersey, you go. Pittsburgh, Tampa, absolutely. So uh, the travel's uh, pretty easy to start for me, Jason. There you go. That a boy. All right. Last question. I get you out of here. Uh, Jim Harbaugh question. To me, uh-huh. it's a joke that the NCAA, if you're going to suspend Harbaugh, whatever your opinion is on whether he should be suspended or not, he can't, you can't let him coach during the week and then sit out on Saturdays. In my view, either suspend him for the whole week or don't suspend him. Well, remember, this is an NCAA suspension. Right. It's a Michigan suspension. Right. I mean, I, Michigan's hoping that this is going to count with the NCAA when they right. ultimately decide next year. Right. I would be like you if I'm the NCAA. I'd be like, well, first off, you were favored by 30 or more points in all three games you suspended them for. I mean, really? Is it, you think this suspension is any meat? And secondly, you let him coach all week and then he gets to watch the game on Saturday? Right. That's a joke. I mean, the, the, yeah. So, but by the same token, Jason. If I were Michigan, I wouldn't have suspended him at all. I would fight this to the end. Jason, listen, they had FBI video of college basketball coaches, okay, doing illegal things. Right. And most everyone on video, okay, (laughs) nothing has happened to them from an NCAA standpoint. Will Wade LSU, by the way. (laughs) That's about it, by the way. The only guy who lost his job, by the way, he didn't lose it for the NCAA. LSU two years later. Yeah. took his job away from him. If I was Michigan, I would fight this to the end and say to the NCAA, you know you guys are event planners now, right? right? That's basically what you've been reduced to. You're event planners. Leave the sports up to us and just cash the checks. <laughs> no, you're right. That's uh, You're right. All right, you can find David Moulton on the David Moulton on X, Twitter, or whatever the hell we're calling right. it these days. Uh, keep up the great work. Enjoy your weekend with Gary and Brad and then Troy and Joe. And I know you're going to have a fun, great year and pile up those frequent flower miles, baby. You got that right. My mom and my, my aunt flew first class uh, to the wedding this past weekend. Absolutely. Those miles. Congratulations on that. And I really appreciate the time. We'll definitely catch up with you maybe down the road later in the football season. You bet, Jason. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. 
Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.